The book of Deuteronomy, I mean, if you were going to take a book of the Bible and meme it, Deuteronomy would be the book because basically it records the messages of Moses to the children of Israel right before they're about to enter into the promised land. They're, they're on the border of something better. They're on the, the cusp of their promise. They're at the edge of the River Jordan, and Moses is reminding them of God's truth. Things that God has said to them in the past already, things that God said to the Israelites when they had left Egypt, they were on Mount Sinai, he gave them all these commands, but because some people didn't believe the commands, they didn't obey God, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So there's this new generation now. They need to be reminded of this truth. So rather than just regurgitate what he's already said, he repackages it. He, he puts it in a context that they can understand, this new, younger generation. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're taking the truth of God's word and we're putting it in a different package through memes of all places. Memes, you know, it's, it's kind of how we communicate. These, like, I mean, if you want to know if you're friends with somebody, just take inventory. Do they share a meme with you? If they don't share memes with you, you're not friends. <laughs> Some of you are really second-guessing your relationships right now, but it's funny. That's, that's what Deuteronomy means. It's, it means literally a second telling or a repeating or a resharing of truth or law or instruction. It's Deuteronomy, it's this retelling of, of truth. And that's what we talked about last week, if you weren't here. We, we talked about how truth is meant to be shared and talked about how to share it. The, the first thing we said is that when you're sharing truth, you gotta make it relatable. All, all I meant by that is it needs to be part of your daily conversation. You need to talk about it around the table. You need to talk about it on the phone, one-on-one -on -one conversations, in the office, wherever, like it needs to be part of your conversation, make it relatable. Also, truth should be practical. Gotta make it practical. That, that means that it should influence and inform the way we think and the way we behave. It should impact how we think and what we do. You gotta make it relatable, you gotta make it practical, then I said you gotta keep it visible. You gotta write things down. You have to post them places where you're gonna see it. And I challenged you this past week to, in every com one conversation every day, to, to bring God into the conversation. How many of you took me up on that challenge and, and applied it this week? A number of hands went up. Or, or you applied God's truth to your life. And hey, if you didn't do it, no shame. But what you can do is begin to apply the third one today, which is to keep it visible. So you can take some notes today. You can post on whatever social media you do, what God is doing in your life, what you receive from this. And you might not think that matters, but it has a big impact. When you do that, it helps us live these truths out and it helps you share it with others. So that was, that was the challenge. And uh, today we're gonna look at the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I, I am, I'm excited about this one. I've been waiting to preach this one because uh, God's been using the verse we're gonna look at to really minister to me for the past several months. But I need to set it up for you just a little bit because when I told you that Moses is reminding them of God's commands and God's instructions and God's promises, uh, you, you might catch the wrong idea. See, lots of times we approach relationship with God or we think of religion, we approach that as a bunch of rules and regulations. All the things we gotta do, all the things we have to do, all the things we shouldn't do. And that is a part of following God. God gives us instructions, no question about it. God gives us commands, absolutely. But sometimes you can 
catch the text and miss the heart. Scripture says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What's that, what's that mean? It, it means that when we study God's word, we're not just studying it like a textbook, trying to gain knowledge, trying to look at it for research, but we're really, we're really engaging with God in a relationship where he can impart truth into our life. That's why it's so important on, on Sunday. One, it's important to gather if you can. It's important to be in the room. It's important to lean in, to take notes and, and engage because, see, some things are more caught than taught. So Sometimes transformation happens through impartation, not just because you read a book, not just because you studied a text, but because you had an experience with the presence of God. And so I want to encourage you to lean in today, but I want you to catch the heart of this text because in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, homework for you. You can read it later today. It can be something that you talk about. But the first part, I just want you to catch the heart of what he's saying to the Israelites. I'll read three verses to you, three, five, and nine. It says, the Lord, it's not going to be on the screen, so just listen. The Lord your God will restore your fortunes have compassion on you and will gather you together again. You'll be a bigger and more prosperous nation than ever before. The Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all that you do, along with your children, your livestock, and the produce of your fields, because the Lord your God will again be delighted with you for good, just as he was delighted with your ancestors. So I want you to hear the heart of God, that he has good things for you, that his plans for you are good, that his plans for you are to prosper. He's not a mean God withholding things from heaven, just waiting for you to mess up, looking when you step out of line so he can beat you down and remind you how awful you are. That's not God. His heart for you are good things. So, so he says that. But then what I want to focus on today is, is in verse 11, because with every promise, there's also a principle. And we're going to understand the principle today. Verse 11 says this. I'm going to read nine verses to you. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Man, how many of you love that? I love this verse. Like, God gives you an instruction, but it's something you can do. This isn't going to be out of your scope, it's not beyond what you're capable of. He's gonna give you something today that you are fully able to accomplish. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad there's some people that are excited. We got an excited church today. Let's, let's keep reading. This is the theme verse for this season, by the way. We, we do things in seasons, so it talks about within reach. That's where this came from, this verse. It's not too difficult, it's not beyond you, it's within reach. Let's keep reading. Verse 12. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who's going to ascend to heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who's going to cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Two options he's saying here. You have two opportunities, two paths you can take. 
For I command you today to love the Lord your God, walk in obedience to him, and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you'll live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you're not obedient, and you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you'll certainly be destroyed. You'll not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. So he's saying, hey, I want you to take note of this. This is going on record here. You've got two options, life and death, blessing and curses. He says, now choose life so that your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, For the Lord is your life. He will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in this passage, God is speaking through Moses to the children of Israel, relating his heart to them. He's saying, my heart for you is good. I've got good plans for you. My heart is to prosper you. My heart is to bless you. My heart is to help you. But, there's often a but. There's often a but in church. You get to pick. Do you want to pick life or you want to pick death? You, you want to pick blessing, you want to pick curse. You want to pick prosperity or destruction. You get to pick. So I'm calling this message today. I'm speaking to you from this subject, picking up a promise. Picking up a promise. You might want to write that down if you're taking notes. And um, if you ever wonder who my favorite people are, they're the ones that take notes. So in case you ever want to know where you stand. All right. Hey, it's my custom to pray. And, uh, I, uh, and people who sit on the front row, they're also my favorite people. Front row people. Yeah. And there's a couple extra seats for next week, all right? Hey, it's my custom to pray. Uh, I believe I need God's help when I get up here, and I believe you probably need God's help. So would you just bow your head with me, and let's ask for God's blessing on this word today. God, we thank you so much for your word. I ask you would use me, speak through me today. You know what the people need. I don't. So God, let, let your word go forth. Let every heart receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you, um, you remember when you were a kid, you remember what you wanted to be when you grow up? You remember that? Anybody just want to shout it out like you got some? Anybody remember? A, a vet? A teacher? Police officer? Singer? Worship, worship team? Singer? Somebody says singer? All right. I, uh, so what did you say? A what? Princess. Yes. Let's give it up for the princess. All right. I like to ask my kids this question. I, actually, I'm curious. How many of you, like, you're grown up, but you're still trying to figure out what you want to be? Anybody in, in that camp? <laughs> Some of us are that way, too. Um, I like asking my kids this question, you know, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I'm always intrigued by their thinking. Like, it lets me know where their passions are. And um, it's pretty funny because my daughter, Pippa, she wants to be a princess. Um, most of the time, 
most of the time it's, it's between princess and, and puppy. Like, better shot of princess. I mean, it worked for Meghan Markle. So, you know, it's not, it's, 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 well, I guess not anymore, right? She's not. Okay, it didn't work out for Meghan Markle. But, um, you know, it's, it's a long shot, but we can pray. Uh, my, my, uh, my son, Oliver, he's probably the most fascinating one. He told me, like, he's always changing it up. He, he told me two weeks ago, he's like, I, I want to I uh, be a basketball player. I want to play for KU because we preach the word of God at our house. And, uh, and um, you know, I was like, I didn't want to discourage him because with God, all things are possible. But probably, the genetics is not going to necessarily... He's got a better shot of like playing the trumpet in the pep band than being, being on the basketball team. But you know, we'll pray. Um, my son Reese wants to be a YouTuber. I'm not real sure how I feel about that. But um, if you could actually find his channel, like it and subscribe, we gotta, we gotta get this monetization up. So um, yeah, so, so that's uh, Oliver, uh, uh, Reese, Grant, Grant's Mr. Consistent though. Grant is, because every time, he is not, I asked him again this morning just to be sure, and I said, Grant, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, a pastor. So, um, yeah, so I gave him $20, because I believe in, in sowing into the man of God, blessing his ministry. I get some seed in the ground, but um, it's funny, because Oliver used to tell me, like, when I'd ask him, he'd just say, I want to be rich, and um, I'm not sure how, you know, about that one, because, like, on one hand, I question his values, but on the other hand, like, It'd be great if he could take care of mom and dad when he gets older. So, um, and then when he saw I gave Grant $20, he's like, well, I want to be a pastor too. So he's, he's catching, he's going for the rich one. But it's fascinating, you know, like listening to my kids talk about what they want to be when they grow up. Because it's, it's an indication of, you know, their passions and, and where their heart is. And it's kind of funny because in, in, it's, like, it's always better. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but like, whether we're young or even with our old, like we always envision the future better. Like with Oliver, his thought was, he started out like, I can't wait till I'm big enough to sit in the front seat. Because he, you know, he's 11, so he's kind of getting that age now. And now he can, I don't know if he can, he does sometimes, sorry mom, uh, sit in the front seat. And now it's like, I may just, I hope I'm not breaking the law with that one. But now he's like, uh, he's like I can't wait till I can drive. I'm like, you're 11. And, uh, and, and then, you know, then he'll say, so like, I can't wait till, till I'm a dad and like, I can travel these places or like, I can buy cool shoes or, you know, like he's just envisions whatever it is. He thinks the future's better. And in some ways we do the same thing, right? Like, like we always envision that our future version of ourself is going to be better than the present version of ourself. And I'd say, like, if that's, you'd never have to apologize for that around me. Like, one thing you never have to feel guilty about, you never have to apologize for, is having vision for your life. Man, I, I think most of us need more vision. I, I think you can never have enough vision. Like, like, having a vision for the future is a good thing. I think every good thing in life starts with vision. That, that things could be better. I think that's how God created us, that we can grow, that where I started isn't where I have to stay, that there is a better future, a better promise, there is more opportunity, there are greater things in front of me than what's behind me, I'm moving forward with God. I think that's good. I like vision, I love vision. 
But one thing I don't hear talked about too much is the danger of vision. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody talk about the danger of vision. One time, so, so, sometime I've got a whole message planned. Uh, I'm going to call it how vision makes you vulnerable. B- because as much as I love vision, as much as I know that vis- every good thing starts with vision, as much as I think most of us need to expand our vision. And if we, we, need, if we don't have, we need a vision for our life, a vision statement of how God wants to use us, what he can do in us and through us and what he wants to do for us. I, I love vision. As much as I love vision, I also know that vision can make you vulnerable. Vision can make you vulnerable because the problem with vision is that it makes you think or it can make you think that the best things God has for you are out there somewhere. And you can miss the good things that God has in front of you right now. And it's just this idea of God's best is always out there. When I get there, then I can, then I can really do what God wants me to do. When I get there, then I can really be who God wants me to be. When I get there, then I can step into the things God wants me to step into. Until I get there, I'm always living in a lesser, lower life, but there's where I want to be. I want to to go to that school. I want to get that job. I want to marry that girl, marry that guy. I want to get that house, buy that car, hit that benchmark, earn that title, get that fame, get that accolade, get those things. When I get to that point, then, then I'll know God's best for me, wherever there is. Now, the Israelites had a clear there. There, there was the promised land. The, the, the promise, the place that God had promised to them, said it'd be a land flowing with milk and honey. It said it would be a place that they would prosper and grow and fulfill their purpose. And while I don't know what your there is, I do know that you have one. You, you have a there. Even if you don't know that you have one, you have one. Because God has a plan for you just like he has a plan, had a plan for the Israelites. He has a plan for you. His plans for you are good plans. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Plans for you to grow and fulfill what he has created you to do. God has a plan for you and his plans for you are good. You have it there. But I noticed a shift in Moses' message when he's speaking to the Israelites because for all the there that they've known, all of the vision that they've lived with, when they get close to the border, you would think Moses would be saying, hey, we're almost there. We're this close. This is what's going to happen. Instead of talking about there, I notice he starts talking about here. He he shifts from speaking about the promised land to the present time. And and you might have missed it, so I just want to kind of underscore these for you. We'll go through it real quick. Look at it with me. Deuteronomy 11, chapter 30, verse 11. He says, now what I am commanding you today, today, not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Let's look at verse 15. See, I set before you today, life and prosperity, death and destruction. 
For I command you today, you're catching on, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, keep his commands, decrees and laws. Let's look at verse 19. He says, this day, I mean, not tomorrow, this day, I call heavens and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life. Now, when you get there, choose life. Right now, today, choose life. It's for you today. And see, sometimes we can be so destination-driven that we miss the power of our present. And you got to keep in mind, this is exactly how the Israelites would have felt. For 40 years, they have been living with this vision. They've, see, God spoke to them. They brought them out of Egypt, went to Mount Sinai, gave these commands, said, you're going in, but they didn't believe. So because they didn't believe, they had to wander around in the desert for another 40 years. And now for 40 years, they've lived with this vision of what God has for them, what it's going to be like. And when we've lived with a vision for that long, sometimes it's easy to become apathetic towards the opportunities that are in front of us right now. See, but here, here is God's word for you. This is God's word for you today. That God's best for you is not beyond you. Let me say that again so you can get it. God's best for you is not beyond you. It is within reach. Today, right now, I'm just going to preach over here because they like to clap for me. Not beyond it. Okay, no, so this is Deuteronomy, so I gotta like put a picture to this. All right, so so God's best for you is not beyond it. It's, it's within reach. It's a nice little picture. I actually don't know this one. I think it's like a web comic. If anybody um, knows it, you're more trendy than I am. But uh, I had to ask my kids to explain it to me. Uh, this one is called. These these memes have names, by the way. Knowyourmeme.com. You'll figure it out. This one is called uh, Runaway Balloon, and so. This guy, look, he just, I'll ask, it's within, all he's got to do is extend his arms a little bit. He's there. God's best for you is not beyond you. It's, it's within reach. But there is a second, leave this on there, but there is a second part to this promise. I don't know if you noticed it or not. This promise that God has for you, all of it really hinges on a choice. God's plans for you are within reach but you've got to pick it up. See, that's why it's, it's not really this one. <laughs> it's a little different. It's not this one. Put the next one on there. It's this one. It's this one. God, God's plans for me are, are within reach, but I'm often held back by my choices. You see he's sweating on there? It's like, What? This is not what I was expecting. Every time we try, up, oh, nope, being held back, held back by choices. See, God's, plan, God's plans for your life don't happen by chance. They happen by choice. And they're also held back by choice. I want to show it to you in verse 19 again. It says, this day I call heavens and earth as witness against you. That have support your life and death, blessings, curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And I need to explain this a little bit because for most of us, the choice seems obvious. I mean, if I set before you, 
let's envision for a moment that I'm God. It's a joke. <laughs> Set before you two choices, life and death, blessing and cursing, prosperity, destruction. It doesn't seem like a hard choice. Is anybody sweating that one? I didn't put this one on there, but you see that meme where that guy's sweating, he's got like two options. This is not a hard one, all right? Like we can, somebody better make that meme and, and post it this week. This is not a hard one. Choosing life all day, every day. Choosing blessing all day, every day. I'm choosing prosperity all day, every day. But then going back to that meme, why, why do so many of us not experience what God has for us by the choices that we make. Well, because the choice for life starts much, much smaller than just a big thing like I'm gonna choose life blessing. Now it starts smaller than that. And I, I wanna go back to what God said through Moses in the first part. He says, it's not a hard thing, it's not a big thing, it's not beyond you, but it is the word, it's in verse 14, the word that's in your mouth and in your heart. See, the choice for life begins with the things you think and the things you say. Well said, man, I'm choosing life all day, every day. This is, I'm putting words in your mouth. I, I'm saying you all said that, right? Nobody's disagreeing with me. But most of us choose death with the things we think and the things we say. It starts with the conversations you have within yourself. It starts with you telling yourself what you can do and what you can't do. Most of us say things to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else. Most of us will say things to ourselves that we would not tolerate if somebody said them to our face. I'm so stupid. I don't have what it takes. Not good enough for this. I am a bad mom. I'm not a good leader. I'm not qualified. I, don't, I, I can't endure this. I'm not talented. I'm a failure. I'm an addict. I'm a fake. I'm a phony. I'll just keep going until I get to yours. <laughs> we, we think things like, I don't belong here. I'm a hypocrite. I won't make it through this. I don't have what it takes. These thoughts, these words, and what we don't realize is that all of those thoughts and all of those words our choice. Every time we, now you can't choose every thought that comes into your mind, but you can choose whether or not you hold on to it. And every time we hold on to that thought, and every time we proclaim those words, we are choosing death. Choosing death. It starts much, much smaller. The choice for life starts on the inside. That's why he says, hey, what I'm commanding is not too difficult. It's not beyond you. It's within your reach, but it starts. It's the word that's in your mouth and in your heart. Now, that's not the only way we choose death. There's other ways that we choose death. 
Because choosing life means making a break from the culture that's around you. That's why God had to tell them to make the choice. Like, don't you appreciate the fact that God, he gives them these options, life and death, blessing, cursing, prosperity, destruction. And then he says, hey, by the way, choose life. I'm giving you the answer for the test here. But the reason he has to say choose life is because the default is death. The default is destruction. Meaning, unless you make the conscious choice, you are already choosing the other path. The default is to conform to the pattern of culture instead of being transformed by the image of Christ. Notice in verse 17 and 18, that's why he says this. He says, but if your heart turns away, and if you're drawn away to other gods and worship them, that's death. If you do that, you'll, you won't live long in the land that you're crossing into to possess. Now, most of us would not say that being drawn away to other gods is at the top of our list of hazards to avoid. We're not thinking about that as like a big temptation that we have to resist. Why? I mean, we, we live in a Christian nation, even if we don't go to church. We're not thinking like being drawn away to other gods is really at the root of our issue. But I want to let you know the application is just as relevant to us today as it was to the Israelites. A little context here. So the Israelites were living in a polytheistic culture. Ancient world was polytheistic. What's that mean? It means that whenever you had a need, you would find a God to meet that need. So if you needed your crops to grow, you would worship the God of agriculture. If you needed to start a family, you would worship the God of sex and fertility. If you had some enemies and you needed some strength or some power, you would worship the God of, of strength. All these different gods, whatever you needed, there was a God for that. Well, the way they would worship these gods is by giving an image, an idol, a prominent place. So they might create an idol or buy an idol or find an idol, call something an idol, and they would give it a prominent place in their home. These gods had different images, and maybe they would take this image and they would wear it on their person. They would display with prominence this image. That was their act of worship. That's why it says don't bow down. It's talking about this idol, this image. Now, worship, we think of worship lots of times as, you know, maybe coming to church, lifting our hands, standing up, singing a song. We think that's worship. But, but worship is not just like a Sunday morning thing. Worship is not a genre of music. Worship is really displaying a priority of value. So, the way you display a priority, you're prioritizing the value. It's worth shit. The way you prioritize the value of something, you can do it with your time, right? Coming to church on Sunday, prioritizing that time. You know, with your, with your energy, that's why we stand and sing and lift our hands. With our, with our focus, that's why we're, we're, we're singing and putting our mind and our hearts on God. With your resource, that's, that's why we give. All of that's worship. Your time, energy, focus, resource, when you display that priority, that's worship. Now, we're not worshiping other gods, but I wonder how much we give 
a place of priority to the images of culture. Drawn away by, I've got to be, I've got to have this picture of success. I've got to be the, the perfect mom, the perfect dad. I, I have to, you know, have the, the perfect physique. And it's not that any of those things are wrong. I mean, that's great. You should strive for those things. But in terms of prioritizing, I, I wonder how often Sunday, for instance, becomes just one thing among many. Worshiping God on Sunday just becomes one thing among many on our list instead of giving it a place of priority. Understand, this is not a guilt message. You're here. Pat yourself on the back. You're watching online because you can't be here. This is not a guilt message. There's no shame. I'm trying to connect some dots for you. I'm trying to help you see how we can be drawn away and choose death when we wonder, why am I not experiencing God's best for my life? We're held back by choices. So I don't want you to be confused by it. Because see, I actually was confused. I was, I, I was confused by, by that picture, that meme. Can you put it up, that, that, that one? I was confused by this because I just saw like the, the blank image. I needed my kids to explain it to me because when I saw this, I was like, why is that pink guy holding that gray guy? Is he like, is he like short and he needs a boost? I, it didn't make sense. So my kids told me, oh, it's because he's sweating. He's holding them back. I thought maybe he just didn't like being touched. He's like, yeah, you know, it's like, but See, I, I, I looked at it wrong. I was confused. I thought that the pink guy was, was holding him up, like helping him get it. He's got a smile on his face, and he's kind of got a smile on his face. And that's when I really felt the Spirit of God tell me, your choices are the same way. See, your choices can either hold you back, like this guy, go to the next one, or your choices can hold you up. See, he's smiling now. He's like, he's almost there. I'm reaching, I, I'm, I can touch it. Your choices, is what I need to say, your choices can hold you back or your choices can hold you up. It's God's word for you. You get to choose. You get to choose life. You, you get to choose that. You get to choose if your choices are gonna keep you from experiencing God's best or if they're gonna enable you to reach them. So, why does choosing to have a good attitude matter when it seems like the world is in chaos? Well, why does choosing to express gratitude make a difference when I've just been handed a truckload of disappointment? Why is prioritizing worshiping God on Sunday and being in his house important? Because your choices can hold you back or hold you up. See, what God's commanding you today is not difficult. It's not hard. It's in your mouth and in your heart. And every time we make a choice to choose life, I'm not gonna hold on to that thought. I'm not gonna think that thing. I'm not gonna speak that over myself. I'm not gonna declare that over my life. Every time we make that choice, we are picking up a promise. 
picking up a promise. See, I saw one more thing. I'll just share it real quick because in Deuteronomy 19 and 20, he says, now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. So I kind of thought of this meme a different way. Like really, whenever we pick up a promise, whenever we choose life, God's plans for us are within reach. When we make the choice, I'm going to say the right thing. I'm going to think the right thoughts. I'm going to declare God's truth. I'm going to believe what God has said. We are picking up a promise and reaching God's best.